Story time. We got an episode of story time. Hey, did you see see this? I was in the middle of my intro. <laughs> he interrupted. I was recording that. Alright, welcome to the garage. I'm Scott Lanahan. I'm Joe Ubel. Uh today, Joe, we got uh, we decided to go with a story time. Woo, story time. Yeah. <laughs> uh architectural treasures uh, you were showing me as we headed into this has uh, zoomed up the charts to my dismay. Uh, a great episode I'm, I'm, again. I'm, I'm going to make a shout out to Eric because he's the one that kept pushing me to, 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 to do those. What is that now? The That skyrocketed up yeah. the charts. Like it's near the top 10, top 5? Yeah, no, top 3 actually now. So <laughs> I swore. <laughs> Alright, well clearly hey People are interested in, uh, I, I would say that it's my uh, header mm-hmm. to it, Architectural Treasures. Oh, yeah. You Who wouldn't want to listen to that? That's yeah. my PR stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, today was story time. Uh, typically with story time, we try and come in with uh, three stories. You've got three, actually four, but we'll have you pick out your top three. Well, that and we yeah, gotta I, 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 got, I got a tail on one of yours that you're going to tell, so we can kind of like tail off that one. Okay. Uh, I've got two. But uh, with most stories, real estate related stories, as soon as we start talking about them, I go, oh yeah, that reminds what me of something What about this else. one? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm banking on. Okay. Okay. Why don't you start with our first, uh, I, I have one whole word here, piano. <laughs> it's good. good Why don't you tell us about the piano story, Joe? Um, this was an interesting one. It wasn't like dramatic by any means, um, but it was more of like uh, my clients purchased the house. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they bought a nice uh, um, newer construction house. It's not like it was there for 50 plus years or yeah. anything like that. So it's a newer house, 10 plus years old. Only a decade old. Yep. What could go wrong? Nothing should, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I get a call afterwards, and they bought the house. They love the house. It was it was winter when they bought it. Now it's spring, and they're cleaning up the yard, doing their thing, right? Yeah. And uh, um, they they get a get a. Um, uh, put a fire pit where I was trying to dig up the fire pit area where it was like dirt and kind of stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. what's this? And they, a neighbor comes over. He goes, you know what's in there, right? I'm like, and they're like, no, what's in there? Well, the, the previous owners, they put a piano in that hole. And like, they dug a hole in the yard. Well, it was a playground, I guess. Okay. And they had like sand or yeah. rock or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And they didn't want that anymore. Yeah. And they w- didn't want the piano that apparently the last owner has left. Well, yeah, because you try and get rid of a piano and you think there's some value to it, like a hot tub. Right. And then you find out it's going to cost you money to, to get, get rid, rid of it, it and no yeah. one wants it anymore. So they decided, well, this is a good way to recycle their piano, I guess. And they yeah. just put it in the hole. They dug a hole. Now, i got to imagine digging a hole for a piano is more than an afternoon-type job. <laughs> That's probably why the neighbor noticed. This isn't isn't like a once a once in a lifetime thing. You see the the piano uh, um, in a hole, and you see a big uh, someone digging that out. And like, what are they, what are they gonna bury? What are they digging for? Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, what do we do with the piano in the hole? Yeah. And it's like, well, I guess it's gonna disintegrate on its own. Yeah. But it's more of a surprise that to find out they they buried a piano in the hole. Yes. So. Did they actually encounter the piano when they started digging the uh-huh. hole? 
Oh, so yeah. it was deep enough. It was deep enough. It's a legit bearing of piano. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Regulation depth. I, I, well, I wasn't sure what their plans were. I don't know if they were going to do some landscaping or whatever yeah. it was. But it's more of... If, in the future, if they decide to do something in that there, they have to deal with what's in there. Yes. At least the, the wires, because hopefully wires, the... Wires probably won't go out. The, yeah. keys, the keys, uh, do they integrate? Okay, so... That reminds me of a story. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, this is how it works. So my seller, uh, the story goes like this. The uh, seller uh, loses their dachshund over the course of the winter. A very uh, important dog? family dog. A okay. wiener dog. Okay. They lose the dog. Well, in order to have a proper burial for the dog, they figure they'll stick the dog. <laughs> this is an elderly seller. Stick the dog in the downstairs utility freezer. Oh, boy. And uh, in the spring, have a proper burial of the dog. The granddaughter comes over. Oh, boy. And unplugs the freezer. Oh, boy. Right? So. Cringeworthy. (laughs) The seller uh, plugs back in the freezer because we've got a bunch of rotten stuff in the freezer now, including the family pet. And uh, in the spring, in lieu of uh, just getting rid of everything, because, uh, again, if it's just regular stuff, you just throw it out. Right. <laughs> they got the family dog in there. So you can't just throw out the family dog. So what he decides is that he's going to use the freezer as a casket. Oh. oh. And uh, digs a hole in the backyard. Again, big hole. No. <laughs> The neighbor's telling me this, right? <laughs> <laughs> over the course, an elderly couple over the course of the weekend, uh, I almost said her name. No one's going to know. Luda. Luda ends up going off to see her sister, okay. right? So she's gone for the weekend. Well, uh, Mr. Seller decides this is a perfect weekend to bury <laughs> the freezer. So he digs a, a hole that appropriate for a freezer, much like a casket or a body <laughs> digs down buries the freezer uh, of course the neighbors haven't seen Luda for several days which was the neighborhood joke <laughs> where's Luda this is why everyone remembers the story yeah. right and uh, so the neighbor had I was selling the house he comes up and he goes say did uh, he tell you about the freezer buried in the backyard which brought up hey what's going on he goes oh yeah I forgot about that it's right, he points out where it's at. You can't tell. But at the time, there's a perfect body-shaped... Casket-sized. size hole, and loot is gone. I thought that was hilarious. Again, a wonderful couple. We ended up disclosing that the family pet was buried in the backyard. In a, in a freezer? In a freezer. <laughs> at some point, I can only imagine, because it is an empty space, less like a piano, Yeah. that there might be a little sunken spot that they might have to add a some additional dirt yeah it makes you makes you wonder what else is buried in Phil's backyard oh right all right <laughs> that'll bring me to another story but why don't you go with uh you have a buyer uses restroom oh yeah yeah so my mo when we go to any kind of property especially when so thinking about all the properties we went through they were empty vacant um foreclosures it was if the water's off don't use the bathroom don't Sorry, you're you're gonna have to have to have to hold it. You're gonna have to go to the, go to the go to the gas station. There's That's a reason the water's off. We have to assume, right? And it, 
the, the practice is generally don't use the bathroom in Pendleton's house. But if it's yeah. like emergency kids, you know, like that, you kind of give fifth, them... sixth property, the coffee's kicking in, they got to use the restroom. To, yeah, yeah, it's it be, it's be respectful, right? Yeah. But the MO is go in the bathroom, flush the toilet, make sure that, make sure that it works. Yes, make sure okay. the water's on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was with the, these, these clients. They're walking through houses. This is our third, fourth house. But I work in this house and they, they, they're grooving on it. And they're walking up and down the stairs. I'm Spending losing everyone. Time. Yep. I'm losing everyone. There's, you know, moms there, you know, the, the couple's there. They're going in different directions. It's three levels. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I I'm, I get the look from one the Mr. Uh, buyer. He was like, um, so I use the bathroom. Yeah. The, the, the toy's not on. Oops. And I'm like, uh, okay. So, number one, number two. Yeah. He's like, just number one. Like, yeah. Thank you. Huh. <laughs> so it's not too bad. Yeah. So the so the first thing was like, all right, we gotta get the, to go down because that's just we can't leave stuff in there. That's just gross. I've seen it happen. Yeah, we yeah, do. We've seen it. it it's it's you, awful. But you don't want to. But this is a this is this is an occupied property. <laughs> so it's not like it was an empty vacant property and you know no one should care about it. Yeah. Someone lives there. Yeah. And for whatever reason, the water's off for that toilet. Yeah. It makes me kind of wonder what was off to it or why was it off why? to it. Yeah. That's the but, why. Yeah. I was my my thought was all right. Well, maybe turn the water on, get the water go down, jump to check there's no leaks, and uh, then we're good. So the the best and worst part about it is I found the shut off valve and it was off. Yeah. Um. The the worst part it was underneath the stairs in a in a little cubby hole that I had to pull like something apart and someone else apart just to get to it. Yes. Finally turned it on, and everything was good. But it took an extra twenty minutes for the water to come on and go because the the valve was so tight. Yeah, and but it was. Can you imagine the valve breaks off in your hand? That was the next that part. There's a pipe broken somewhere, and that's why it's off. And now there's water coming down a wall on or, the first floor. Or wait, there's there's another showing comes at the same time, and you're, and you're one you know digging in a hole with trying to flush toilets. Yeah. <laughs> and after that, plan ahead. After that, my my buyer's like. I'm so sorry. I will never use a bathroom in a house again. Yeah. I'm like, it's fine. Just yeah, flush it's, it's before fine, you get right? there. Just, yeah. just just make sure you tell it's me before you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so what else you got? All right. So I'm going to stick with my theme of uh, things buried in the yard. Oh, God. That's how my stories go. One story reminds me of another story reminds me of another story. So this one is one of my my favorites. I've held this off now to story time number three. How is three. it possible? I have nothing but favorites. So <laughs> this one is a house listed in South St. Paul. Uh, at the time, they had just changed the seller disclosure to include a question on there. Are there human remains buried <laughs> on the property? Yeah. That's and funny. what was driving that was there was a bunch of new construction down in Prior Lake and... Um, uh, what else down there? They were building homes by the river, and they were running into Indian burial type stuff. Right. So, they were making the builders, in essence, disclose where their human remains found on the property. So it gets added to the seller disclosure. At the time, it'd been on there for three, four months. As agents, you just kind of stop seeing it because, of course, there's no human remains buried on the property. I'm not doing that. What are we animals? <laughs> right. What is this, 18? No, we just, we just bury animals in our backyard in the freezer. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I get a phone call. I just listed the property. It's like day one or two on the, prop, uh, on the market. 
and uh, Chuck Stickler calls me, and his tagline was, Chuck Stickler is Stickler for details. <laughs> if anyone knows Chuck, Chuck was phenomenal. He's Great since passed, yeah. but he was so awesome. But Chuck calls me, you know, in his regular bubbly voice with, you can see his mustache, right? Yeah. And he's like, hey, uh, hey, Scotty, uh, that new listing you got, uh, the seller marked yes on human remains buried in the property. He goes, yeah. I'm sure it was just a mistake. I said, Chuck, let me call him. I said, I'll give you a call back. Yeah. So I call my seller and uh, it's, uh, hey, JP, uh, I noticed, uh, we noticed that you marked yes on the human remains. Uh, clearly a mistake. He goes, oh, no, that wasn't a mistake. <laughs> so what? Yeah, right? <laughs> I go, what? He goes, yeah, is that going to be a problem? And I said, well, no, not for anyone that didn't see the movie Poltergeist. Like, this, is, <laughs> this won't be a problem. Tell me what the heck's going on. He goes, well, yeah, there's a gravestone back by the garage. It's been there the whole time we've owned the house. Stanley. Stanley is back by the garage. <laughs> and he goes, why don't you come on over? I'll cut the grass around the gravestone so you can see it. <laughs> and so I go out there. Sure as crap, there's a gravestone back by the garage. Stanley. Stanley, and it's got his born birth date, and it's got his death date, and a full name. And uh, at the time, Ancestry.com was kind of coming online, and people were checking out their family history. And I thought, well, let me get on there, see if this person existed. Yeah. And, uh, of course, <laughs> there is record of Stanley. <sighs> And uh, there's a record of Stanley being buried (laughs) in a Lutheran cemetery. Uh, He's interned there, right? Uh, But as I'm in there, you know, I was kind of, it was new. I'm asking questions and people are responding, the relatives. And I get this one family member that is like very interested in the fact that Stanley, uh, there's a gravestone on this property in South St. Paul. Interested, huh? (laughs) Uncle Stanley, yeah, right. Not her dad, Uncle Stanley, and uh, she is. Uh, now I know that Stanley's not a problem there, but now I got a problem because a family member is like, "What is going on? Like, why is this there?" Right. I'm like, "Well, all I know is Stanley's not there." Whew. That's right. So we can sell the property and not to worry about this. Oh, but I, then I had to placate the family member. It was just it snowballed on me. <laughs> so did did she come back and get the gravestone? Uh, well, we still don't know why the gravestone was there. Maybe someone was making them back in the 1920, sure. 1919 in the garage. And just it was something wasn't good about it and just threw it behind the garage. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. We had no idea why it was there. But we know Stanley wasn't there. <laughs> but one of the cool things is uh, back then South St. Paul was known as South Park. Because okay. there's a whole other joke there. Yeah. Um, but uh, prior to 1923, you could bury people on your homestead in South Park. Well, there you go. Which made it a possibility that, that Stanley there. might be there. So cool little history with South St. Paul. That <laughs> be careful when you dig in the backyard. <laughs> so you're saying there's more chance in South St. Paul. There's either a wiener dog or Stanley in your yard. Or a piano. Or a piano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your next one was uh, a fence story. Oh, yeah. So I think you've got a tail on this one, too. Um, so this is, goes back to a title situation. Um, it's more of a simple misunderstanding of what property lines are. Uh-huh. So um, 
my buyer buys a property. Again, I, I sold a newer house. This house is probably eight years old. Yeah. New construction. It's, it can't be that old. Yeah. And buys it and decides that he wants to put a fence up, you know, and his neighbor has a fence already. So he, he goes and gets a survey. Yeah. And the surveyor goes, um, so your neighbor's fence is about eight feet into your property. Not eight inches. No, like eight it, feet. it's a good chunk into your property. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we can't do anything with that unless you want to talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you have you own the property together. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as hostile use, I mean, you can't yeah. get more hostile than a fence. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I get the phone call, and he and they're like, "What? What does it mean? What is this? What, yeah, what do, do we for do? Us? What does it mean for a value? Yeah. You know, all those things, a sellability, and that, and I'm like, first of all, we have about title insurance." Yeah. Which is, again, well, this is a discussion about titles. Oh, yeah, I, f- I forgot. Yeah, we got a camera. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this, I said, we need to call out our title, title insurance. Yeah. And they're going to they're gonna take care of you. As they did, they lawyered up, went after the, the neighbor next door who said they they're not moving the fence. Yeah, they're moving it. I'm not moving my fence. We bought it with the fence. We don't want to pay to move the fence. Yeah. We don't want to give up eight feet of our yard. No, this is our yard. Yeah. Right? We put a pool in or whatever was yeah. there yeah. for a reason. So they lawyered up, fence got moved, they ended up putting the fence up the way they wanted. It was it was all good. But the lesson lesson here is is you can't really know exactly where our our, our lines are yeah. perfectly unless you get a survey. And a survey's expensive. The surveys are expensive, right. Yeah. But you but knowing that you can mark your property if you wanted to and if you can have a good idea where your property lines are from the visual online, the visuals uh, um, uh, cues at the property. Yeah, you can get a good idea where property lines are set. I think a, another valuable takeaway on that story is uh, the purchasing of owner's title insurance. Right. Yeah, because at that point, the title insurance policy kicked in, and mm-hmm. they fought the encroachment versus uh, the homeowner having to fight the encroachment. Correct. And That's the, the bigger one. And to be clear about that, about the title insurance stuff, is when you go purchase the property, it's a one-time fee. Yep. And it's like seven, eight hundred dollars, and in term, terms of a total closing, that's you know pennies on the dollar. Well, the important thing that you need to understand, I always tell clients with uh, uh, title insurance, is that uh, title insurance is so important that the uh, the mortgage company is going to force you, as a condition of the mortgage, to purchase title insurance for their ownership portion, which mm-hmm. is the mortgage amount mm-hmm. uh, for the property. Correct. Uh, so. Your title insurance uh, is based off of what your down payment was plus future appreciation. Yep. Yeah. Really important. It's it's one of those those. Small You're already things. buying title insurance for the lender. Yeah, you might as well. You should buy it for yourself. Extra. Yeah. If the lender says it's important enough, we want it. It should be kind of a, a clue for you. Again, the few the few times it gets used and a few times that we see it, it's it's just like yeah, it's this is a no brainer. You have to buy it. Well, the first time you hire an attorney to try and fix something like that, the right. first couple hours, eat up the cost of whatever the title insurance was. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, mine is kind of a, a last one, uh, was kind of a play off of uh, the fence boundary issue. And this one involves someone very close to me. This was my uh, father, Pops. Uh, he purchased a home in, in Woodbury, and uh, the title commitment comes. And there's a plat map there, and uh, the title insurance had written an, ex- an exception on the neighbor had two flower boxes, 
So when it comes to a property dispute mm-hmm. or a, a property line, if the if the title company, when they uh, do the title commitment, if there's something on the plat that they feel might be in an encroachment, like a fence, yep. or in this particular case, uh, flower boxes, they'll write an exception. Yep. That Which, the title insurance covers all of the uh, standard things, but it's not going to cover any sort of property dispute back here because we feel there might be a possible encroachment right, right. here. So the possible encroachment from the neighbor on the back was two flower boxes. Easily moved, not like a fence. Right. But either way, uh, as a gift to my dad uh, for purchasing, I got a survey for him because he was very focused on those flower boxes in the back, <laughs> as most retirees kind yeah. of are. He right? a lot of things, yeah. So we get a survey, and it turns out the flower boxes are uh, near but on the neighbor side. Uh, but surprisingly, the neighbor to the left, um, there is about 12 to 15 feet on the back corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fence looks like it should be where it is, but it turns out the lot is kind of more pie-shaped. Yep. And uh, a whole section of the neighbor's fence, including a fire pit, uh, is on dad's property. So uh, my dad, who is one of those guys that talks to everybody, (laughs) and is good friends at that point with the neighbor, even though he's only moved in like two weeks previously, uh, is kind enough to joke with the neighbor and puts police tape (laughs) all the way down (laughs) from the one corner to the other and then sets up a couple chairs along the fire pit yeah and then uh when the neighbor comes home and goes uh what the hell's going on here because my dad can't wait to talk to him oh. uh says hey if you guys ever want to use my fire pit uh just stop on over i'll be happy to give you some chairs right so of course my dad's not going to force him to move the fence right uh, but wants to make him aware. Yeah. Right. Now it's now when everyone's aware that you have to at least acknowledge it. So, uh, <laughs> a couple of years later, the neighbor goes to sell, and I go over to my dad's house, and I see a sold sign up there, and I said, "Hey, uh, did you inform the agent that uh, there's an encroachment on that side so that the seller can disclose it? Was it disclosed? Yeah. Turns out it wasn't disclosed. Right. Right. So, dad's like, it's no big deal. Yeah. Like, I'll talk to the neighbor. new owners. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll do the, I'll, yeah, right? I'll do the tape and they'll, yeah. and they'll be like, what's going on here? Another couple of years later, the house goes to sell again. Dad right away calls the agent and says, hey, just want to make sure this gets disclosed, right? Yeah. And of course, the new owner talks to dad. And yeah. He's like, hey, at some point this fence is going to get moved and let's get it moved to the right spot. But just again, one of those uh, fence boundary encroachment type things that, you know, as agents, you're kind of looking for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but a lot of times, you know, there's some weird property lines with properties. There's no doubt about that. You uh, look you know, at it and everyone tries to rectangle or square everything up and then you find out there's some weird jaunt. Yeah. That I'm sure there's a story to. Right. Right. That, the reason why they did this or that. It, it's, you know, you, you can't be too certain unless you get a full survey. Um, you know, obviously that's a little expensive to do if you're going to do it on a, on a purchase. So a survey purchase. runs you, last one I had done was 1500 bucks. I think I had one that was, that's with a report. 
Yes. So I have I've had someone do um, stake it out, basically, essentially to find your corners. And they go, go out with a metal detector and find the stakes. Yep, they pound yeah. stakes in for you, and then they um, say, "Here's your stakes," and it's like well, it's four hundred dollars. A so, formal report, they're not only going to find the stakes of your yard, but they're going to identify stakes on adjoining properties. Correct. To make certain that the stakes haven't been moved and the stakes are in the proper spot, so it's much more uh, uh, extensive, mm-hmm. elaborate type. Yeah, than okay. just coming out with a metal detector and determining quarters, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It, it depends uh, on what you're what you're using it for, or what you need it for. You know, really, it's going to come down to. Yeah, if you're putting a fence up. Right. It's always a good idea to kind of figure out because it's expensive to a put up a fence. But it's even uh, more painful to pay someone to to move a fence six inches further back in their way. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah, that's not fun. No. I wonder why no one wants to move those fences. So, uh, so I got I got one more. That you got I, another I wanted, one. I wanted to. Well, four. I, don't go using up all your stories, Joe. Uh, this, there this, might be a story time number four episode. I'm gonna let you do the whole episode then. Yeah. Because right, you used to tend to be having good, good stories, apparently. I don't have great stories. What I do have is the ones where someone's talking about something. That's why it's always fun, like a garage-type atmosphere where you get a bunch of agents sitting somewhere, and to hear, like, every time you think you've heard everything... And something else happens. You get a bunch of agents in the room, and they're like, oh, man. Listen to that's this. That's a good story, but listen to this one, <laughs> right? And it's why we have jobs. Uh, because... There's times like it, like some transactions go so smoothly. Oh yeah. But there's a lot of them. It's just curveball after curveball. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know what's gonna happen sometimes next. No, where someone gets in a dispute. Uh, there was a oh, shoot. You See, going, I'm gonna end up going into another tangent? story. No, I'm not gonna do another story. I'll save that one. You gonna save that one? Yeah. Where there were two PIDs. And, yeah. Oh I'll, yeah. I'll save it. Okay. All right. But it's that type of stuff that you just go wow. Uh, of course this is happening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you're not calling your you're trying not to call your client with a problem. You're trying to call them with solutions. Like, hey, I've <laughs> run into this before. Here's what we're gonna have to do. Here's our options. Here's our options. Yeah. Right. And essentially that's what we we're we're brought to do is figure out, okay, the solutions to the problem that are in front of us. Yeah, because otherwise most of your average uh, homeowner, like they run into that problem and it's either uh, fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. Versus all right, what are my avenues? Yeah. Right? Right. Because uh, instead of standing there like what the hell do we do now? This, this is also where you know experience of being um, along this road enough enough times where you've run into this uh, more than once. You're like, all right, this isn't new. This is what we need to do. Yeah. Or you know, this is new. Let, we're gonna figure out what we can well, do. Well, I think the other part too. Uh, I haven't experienced everything. No, we can't. Right? Can't possibly. But uh, I know which agents with which experience that like I can sit there and I can go boy I need to talk to this person yeah like, where you sit there and they trust you you trust them and it's like hey here's my situation what do you think and get their take on it yep. right um, talk to another agent get their take on it and what you're really trying to do at that point is kind of formulate all right what are our avenues yep. right if this isn't on my realm of necessarily expertise I'm surrounded by some people that might have experience with this mm-hmm. and instead of just running to an attorney uh, which we might ultimately end up with uh, you know is that our only avenue or is there some other avenue that we can go down right so right yeah right 
You got anything to add? Well, can I finish that one story that you are oh, already, already... Did I uh, step uh, on his story? Well, you were going to... You started, started going at it, and then it was like, all right, well, well I'm not going to do the story anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. Do Let me just do a quick one. Yeah, do so it. So this is more of a, a logistical thing that I think that someone should hear, and especially going through scenarios, and just like that, troubleshooting, right? Yeah. So um, I had a buyer... Um, he is in the midst of going through a divorce, unfortunately, oh, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of, you know, but it's amicable in, in a way where they're on the same page. Yes. Okay? So he gets a lender, we go through the process, we get a property, we get on our contract. Yep. Okay, so we're good to go. Um, now, in the state of Minnesota, it is one to buy, two to sell. The rule of thumb. Rule of thumb. Uh, one spouse can buy without mm-hmm. the other there, mm-hmm. but you need both spouses to acknowledge a sale. Correct. Yeah. So in that same sense, um, I had a discussion after discussion, you know, just to make sure we're on the same page that Mr. Buyer knows that once he signs the, the dotted line for on the uh, closing, yeah. his his uh, soon, soon to be ex-wife, if it's not final, is ownership of the property. She has marital interest. Correct. Until that divorce is final. Correct. And so that, unless there's an agreement in place. Correct. Yeah. Because so unless that's acknowledged in their in marital agreement. Um, or their divorce decree that it would, he would, she would have ownership rights. Yep. And he's like, yep, I get it. We've already addressed this. It's on. It's in the decree right now that if I buy a property, it is my property. Yep. Because he's a, he's like, I'm in a hotel. I need to get in a house. Yeah. Done. All right. Yeah. So we go for, go after it. So we, um, we, week before closing, we get a call from the lender, underwriting. Yeah. And he's like, um, so when is uh, um, Mrs. Uh, buyer going to sign on the on the purchase agreement? I'm like. She's not. She's not. She's not at all. Yeah. And and but the, the loan well, you told me on this one was originating out of Michigan. Michigan, correct. Yeah. So this is also you know local bank, but they originate their their mortgage loans out of Michigan, I guess. Yeah. Their company the, uh, branch. So they're doing all that that, and they're thinking state laws in Michigan require two signatures. You know, it's, it's marriage to purchase as well. Yeah. So it's different. Um, and we had to to go back and forth about a week's worth of time saying. They don't need to sign, or she does not need to sign, in order for their purchase. Which is true in Minnesota, but the loan is originating in Michigan, which means that it's technically under Michigan state laws. That's correct. Yeah, which is also another another thing to watch for if you are you know not locally ingrained in the market. You know, here as that lender, you might have different laws to deal with that different states. It hasn't happened as recently as that. Yeah. Um, but it's still part of the situation. Now it did, they did let, let it go underwriting. Um, finally, uh, let that one go. Yeah. But it, it took some fighting. Yeah. And took some back and forth and some discussion. It took some, some, um, bringing up the, here, the statutes in, in Minnesota, yeah. be able to get, the, get it past them. But it was one of those things where it's like, you have to understand what different rules and different areas are. Well, uh, this was back in my day. Back in my- <laughs> <laughs> there was, uh, if a loan uh, originated out of like Ohio back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, in the state of Minnesota, there was no p- p- prepayment clause yep. where you could, uh, on year 10, pay off your mortgage with no penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was originating at the time I started out of Ohio, there were like three states uh, that did a lot of mortgage origination that would have, you had to be careful because it might have a prepayment penalty. Mm. Um, 
uh, most states now. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen a prepayment penalty. Um, I can't it. imagine there's one left, but there's not many. Uh, no, I can't imagine there is. But I can see that that being a big issue if you run into that and and you're you have to pay yeah. prepayment. Where is your mortgage originating out of? Right. Yeah. 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 So I threw in another story. See another story. Yeah. You just can't right. can't get enough of it. So I think, uh, you know, we hammered on another episode. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. So the next episode, more architectural shingle uh, treasures. If we want to, if that's what the people want to hear, Joe, <laughs> let's do it. Fair enough. We'll, what, we'll, what's a, are we sticking with uh, turn of the century? Or are we doing uh, mid-century now? Or are we sticking? I would say we, we can probably do some. I still think stuff. Uh, I think what what was a real draw to that episode is uh, some of the historical stuff. I have some other historical gems that we can talk talk about. Let's let's do historical gems. What did we historical treasures? We called it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I think it was my marketing that drove the listenership on that one. Let's bring it back then. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I uh, will call another episode. Sounds good. I want to thank everyone for stopping by the garage. Is there anything? I'm Scott Lanahan. And I'm Joe Ubel. Is there anything else? Uh, contact stuff. Yeah, if you guys want to reach out to us, if you, you guys have any episode uh, topics we want to hit hit on, please reach out. Joe at TeamEdelstein.com. Scott at TeamEdelstein.com. We made it real easy. Yeah. All right. Thanks for stopping by the garage. Have a good day.